Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together. Let's get started. All right, this episode is going to be interesting. Uh, I have no idea how long I'm going to go on this episode. This is one of those topics I, I probably warrants like a full like hour or two presentation to really to really give justice. But I'm going to give an overview on this and specifically some of the dynamics that I see play out and things to watch out for when there are big income disparities between couples. This can also apply for big net worth disparities as well. Like if one of you has a lot more money coming into the marriage than the other, or um, with like family dynamics where one is set to inherit a bunch of money, right? But but I'm I'm specifically focusing on income here today, right? How do we need to approach your financial plan differently if there are big income disparities between you or one of you makes a lot more money than the other? And there, there are some nuances depending on whose research you read and who you want to listen to uh, about which spouse is the one that makes more. Um, so specifically, I'm going to highlight um, if, if you're in a relationship where the the, the woman is the primary income earner. Um, frankly, I'm just going to recommend you read this book. Um, it's called When She Makes More, um, 10 Rules, I think, for Breadwinning Women. I don't have the book in front of me, but um, it, it's by the author's Farnoosh Tarabi. Um, I'll try to remember to put a link to it in the um, in the show notes. It, it's a fantastic book that really dives into the unique dynamics that that um, maybe shouldn't play out, but often do play out when um, the the wife is the primary income or when the wife's income is a lot higher than the husband's, and um, has a lot of really good recommendations for couples in that's in, in those situations to um, set yourself up for long term success. Um, and so like, I, I'm not like, I, I frankly, I came up with the idea of this episode in terms of talking about that book specifically, but I'm going to keep it a little bit more general and just talk about how we need to think about your finances when there are big income disparities for you here. And then, then the, the one other thing I'll say at the top of this is I'm not specifically talking about um, couples where there's only one income, right? Where somebody is a stay-at-home parent, for example. Uh, I'm not talking about that here. I'm talking about where both spouses are working, but one of you makes a lot more money than the other. Um, frankly, the, the I, I often find that couples who who come to me where there, there's one stay-at-home spouse, they tend to have it figured out pretty well. Uh, I don't often see issues with the way couples handle that. The only thing that I've seen that I'd warn if you are thinking about making that transition um, to have one of you stay at home with, with a child or with a future child is the the couples who I've seen struggle do that um, are couples who don't who keep all of their finances separate. Um, if you are going to go down literally just to one income, it's a really bad idea to keep all your finances separate because the spouse without the income is going to basically go down to nothing, and that it it ends up being where you're essentially like asking your spouse for an allowance for your personal spending money, and and it can create really weird power dynamic. So like the, the, the only, the only caveat I would give to you in terms of, um, 
couples where you're um, there's literally only going to be one income is like you really should not keep everything separate at that point because just by definition that's not going to be tenable for you um but again i think a lot of people kind of come to that conclusion as they as they make that decision for for other reasons and they, they tend to figure out the finances along with it but all that rambling aside right uh, two big tips for couples where there are big income disparities right the first one is to make sure you're setting up your family's financial playing fields appropriately. Um, we wanna make sure that we're setting up the way you manage money so that it's sustainable for both of you, regardless of what your incomes are. What do I mean by that, right? First and foremost is just because one person is earning most of the income doesn't mean that they need to do everything, right? The primary income earner doesn't need to be the one who's paying all the bills and doing all the investment accounts and managing the transfers and um, monitoring the budget and stuff. Like make sure you're dividing responsibilities appropriately, right? In a way that works for you and your family. Um, you don't want the primary income earner to just be automatically quote unquote burdened with all the financial management tasks because it's mostly quote unquote their money. Uh, now often, right, one member of the spouse likes to do the financial tasks more than the other. They like to be a little bit more hands-on um, with the finances. So like it, it, it doesn't need to be divided equally per se. One person can do most of the financial work and it can be the spouse who earns less, right? That, that's totally fine. But you just be careful about defaulting to the primary income earner being the primary financial responsibility person in terms of the day-to-day, week-to-week month-to-month financial tasks, paying bills, managing investments, and so on, right? You want to be intentional with the way that you're setting up the financial playing field as a family um, so that one person isn't overly burdened or isn't automatically overly um, responsible for, for any one particular task. It's also really important to make sure that every dollar has a job, right? Uh, it, it, it's I've talked to a lot of couples where one member of the, the family um, Earn, earns a lot more where it, it can feel like the other spouse, the less the, the spouse with the less income, they, they feel kind of needless or superfluous and um, can kind of automatically exclude themselves from certain things. Like we, we don't want to be doing that. Um, for example, right? Uh, oftentimes going back to the having a kid and deciding what you're going to do with, with the child, right? Um, I've seen couples sometimes, right, as they're starting to price out daycares, they find out they're pregnant, right? They're trying to figure out how they're going to cover childcare. Um, look at the math and look at the spreadsheets and say, okay, well, this person's income is a lot lower. Like all, all their income is almost essentially going to childcare. Like, shouldn't they just quit their job and not pay for childcare? And the answer to that is an emphatic no, right? You should not make that decision unless the other person really wants to be a stay-at-home parent, right? If you want to be a stay-at-home parent, you should do that. We'll figure out the financial piece, but you should not quit your job and become a, a stay-at-home parent if you don't really want to do that for its own sake, just because you're going to need to pay, pay for childcare. Um, the math, frankly, doesn't, like people like forget about their losing 401k matches and stuff like that and health insurance and all that stuff like that. The math isn't always as clear as it looks um, just from the the month to month budget uh, when, when it comes to that. Um, so like I find like it, it you know it, it doesn't end up being the like the no brainer that it sometimes feels like when you're just looking at the cost of childcare. Like there's a lot of other stuff you're getting from having a job as well. 
um, you're ignoring the compounding of your salary over time and the, the, the effects of that on the long-term plan that you're giving up if you're leaving the workforce just to, to save money on childcare. And, um, and like it, it can lead to resentment if that's not a choice they want to make, right? Like we have, you, we, the, the, the lower earning spouse should not be in a position where they feel like they need to quit their job um, to, to be the stay-at-home parent if they don't want to do that, if they like doing the work they're doing, if they're fairly fulfilled, if they have career goals, right? Uh, pay for childcare and have them keep working, even if most or all of their income is just going to childcare, right? That, that's okay. Um, but I see that that trip couples up, particularly in the couples in the new parent type phase, like a, that, that, that can become an issue. Um, and then relatedly, I kind of touched on this, I guess, a little bit, but make sure that each of you has a, like, like your, your money's going somewhere specifically, right? So we, we don't want, as I mentioned, right, we don't want the lower earning spouse to feel like they're, like their money doesn't matter or it's a drop in the bucket or anything like that. Like give them a job, right? Do, you know, uh, give their dollars a, a, a job for your family, right? I've sometimes I've seen couples, um, you know, live off one person's salary and save all of the income from the lower earning spouse, right? Putting it toward a particular goal, um, or you know, having one spouse pay for the mortgage and living and saving the the um, the other spouse's incomes, right? Like the you know, but but think about it in terms of like where your money needs to go, right? What goals you have and don't be afraid to to say like okay you you know, you, you lower earning income spouse right your income is going to go toward these three things and these three things only but that's okay because these three things are really important to our family right make it so that their incomes have a very clear job in addition to of course you're supporting like personal spending that kind of thing um like that 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 can go a long way right um setting up an account structure where you're um, either combining everything or having clearly defined personal savings budgets and uh, contributing the rest of your salary to your future goals, right? That can work really well as well. Um, there, there's a lot of different things you can do to set up the financial playing field in a way that isn't just going to help you make financial progress, but is going to help keep your relationship on the rails as well and, and make sure that that imbalance of income isn't going to create weird power dynamics in your relationship. Like it, it, it's, it's an important thing to do. Um, and again, as, as Farnoosh Tarabi talks about in that book, when she makes more, right, there are, um, like it or not, right, there are often um, other challenges that we want to be prepared for if um, if the woman is the higher um, income earner, right? Again, I'm, I'm just going to refer you out to her book because it really is phenomenal. It, it's it, it's really impacted the way that I work with clients on that. I could, I could do a half-hour podcast just talking about that book and the implications of it, but um, we'll leave it there for now. Um, the, the second piece is um, that, that's really important when it comes to couples with big income disparities is making sure that you are adequately preparing for like the, the hypothetical situations that could come up down the road. Um, the situations that like we don't necessarily like to talk about but are real things that happen to real couples all the time. And so if we are, you know, have a plan for these hypothetical situations in advance, it can help us handle them when they come up, right? What do I mean by that? Um, taking care of aging parents, right? What are we going to do to support your parents if they're older, particularly like if, if it's the lower earning spouse's parents that need help, right? How are we going to handle that? How do we think about having those things, right? Don't just wait until that's a problem. 
uh, we want to like understand the framework through which you're going to make those decisions. Um, having life insurance, right? Making sure that we have adequate life insurance coverage in place is particularly important for the higher earning income member because the the lower earning income earner, um, the lower income earning spouse is um, going to need more life insurance if something were to happen to the primary income earner. Um, but that doesn't mean that the lower earning income spouse doesn't need life insurance at all, right? Um, I see this with stay-at-home parents a lot, right? Um, if, if you're, I know I said this wasn't about this, but just to highlight the the, the example, if you're a stay-at-home spouse, right, and you're providing 100% childcare, if something were to happen to you, your spouse needs to pay for childcare, right? Like the, there are expenses that are going to need to be covered if you're not around, even though your income might be zero, or even though your income might be relatively low compared to the rest of the family. And so you, you may not need as much life insurance as the higher income earner. In fact, you almost definitely don't, but, but you should probably have something. And so thinking through what that should look like, right? Don't just wait. Don't, don't treat this as a hypothetical type exercise. Um, you know, we want to have a plan in place in advance, right? Have all your financial information organized and available and know how to access each other's stuff if you ever need to. Um, how to handle debt, right? If, if the lower income earner is the one with a bunch of debt, right? How do we handle that dynamic, right? That's, that's less a hypothetical that we might need to deal with in the future and more something tangible you've probably noticed already. But um, there are certain, you know, the, the, the ways that you handle debt in, in families can vary, right? Depending on whose debt it is and what your income situation is like. But the, the more challenging dynamics are ones where the lower income earner has most of the debt coming into the marriage, right? How do we how do we approach that decision in a way that is going to work for both of you? It's going to not hold you back um, overly so anyway and not cause resentment down the road, right? Like the, these are the types of things that we want to think through and prepare for. Even prenups, right? Like I, we've talked about prenups on this, uh, on this podcast in the past. There are some situations where I do recommend prenups, big disparities in wealth or income is one case where it might make sense to add something like that. And if you're already married, you can get a post-nup, right? Which is just, it, it's the same sort of thing. Talks about how you divide your assets. Just a post-nup is something you sign after you're married and a prenup is something you sign before you're married, right? We want to be thinking through those things. So the, the, those are the kind of two big things I would be thinking through. Um, if you are, if you have big income disparities in your family, right, we want to make sure we're setting up the financial playing field in a way that is, that works for your family and is going to be sustainable for you in the long term and is going to not cause the emotional side of money to be an issue in your family. And right, prepare in advance for those more difficult conversations because those can be more difficult in scenarios where your incomes are, are not the same. Um, frankly, both of those ideas came from that book, um, When She Makes More, uh, that's specifically written for um, higher earning women. And um, yeah, I'll leave it there for now. Uh, I could go on and on and on about that book, but I'll leave that there for now. Um, hopefully this helps. Um, feel free to reach out to me um, it's on Instagram. I'm at, at Paysetter Planning or email me bill at paysetterplanning.com if these are things you're struggling with and want to talk through. Be more than happy to help. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Money and Marriage Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free if you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. 
Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time. Thank you.